yes, and welcome back to the Desert Tiger Podcast. I am your host here on the DTP, here on the podcast. My name is Colton G, and thank you for tuning in to this week's episode is we speak with Biff Naked about the 20th year anniversary of the Lilith Fair. What exactly is the Lilith Fair? Well, we're going to be getting into that very soon, don't you worry. But of course, before we get there, there's a few things I want to go ahead and take care of first. So, first of all, I want to go ahead and thank those of you who checked out last week's episode which featured Shelby Sinka as we spoke about a different kind of anniversary, the 10-year anniversary of his record label, Swedish Columbia Records. And a lot of you guys were very excited about that episode. A lot of you are gamers out there in the DTP audience and were very excited to hear about the gamer, video game side of the music world. So thank you very much for your feedback, those of you who went ahead and messaged me. Thanks to those of you who shared the episode on your social media. Much love to all of you. And of course, before we jump into this week's episode as well, I want to go ahead and mention I love DTP.com. Why? That's because it's where you're going to get yourself decked out in Desert Tiger podcast gear, swag, whatever you call it. And that's where you're going to rep the show everywhere you go, in front of your friends, in front of your family, and even in front of your enemies. This week's episode is also brought to you by XYZ. XYZ. It's a clever way of me saying that your ad could go here. Contact me at desert.tiger.podcast at gmail.com and we will discuss this further. All right. Lilith Fair was a groundbreaking traveling music festival that ran from 1997 to 1999. Built as a response to radio shows and concert promoters who refused to feature two female musicians back-to-back. The festival featured only female solo artists and female-led bands of various backgrounds and genres. During the final year, that being 1999, Biff Naked was lucky enough to be included in an event like nothing she had ever experienced before then. At the time, Biff was still in the beginning stages of her legendary music career, having released her second album, Ibificus, in 1998, she was already nationally touring, but almost every tour, she found that she was the only female on the road. So imagine how refreshing it was for Biff to step onto the stage at Lilith Fair, surrounded by other strong, empowering women. From then, Biff has continued to inspire and influence numerous people with her strength and ability to apply and adapt herself. The musician, actress, author, poet, and heck, even cancer survivor continues to strive forward every single day, making music with her husband in their group Snake in the Chain, while also preparing to release her second novel, a novel of poetry, in the very near future. The powerhouse and unstoppable force known as Biff Naked joins me today on the Desert Tiger podcast to discuss the 20th 
anniversary of the Lilith Fair and what it meant to her, her legendary music career, her work as an author, and her upcoming novel of poetry. And I am so extremely excited to have Biff Naked on the show, and I hope that you guys are very excited to hear her on the Desert Tiger podcast as well. But of course, before we jump into that conversation with the legendary Biff Naked, we need to go ahead and give you a spin of some of her music. How about some of the music that she's been making in that group with her husband, Snake and the Chain? And of course, I know that there's been a lot of talk of anniversaries and perseverance and strength and all that, but of course, don't worry. Today's conversation is still going to get heavy.
Tiger Podcast. Hi, this is Colton Geschwantner from the Desert Tiger Podcast. My apologies for being a, a little bit behind. No problem. Hi, Colton. How are you? If, uh, if we get cut off for any reason, just call me back. Uh, my cellular signal is a little bit funny here at my manager's house. <laughs> I'm out <laughs> in Oakville, Ontario. Oh, no worries at all. If anything happens, I'm sure we'll be able to make everything work. Okay, fantastic. Fantastic as well. I agree. I like the excitedness in the voice. That makes that makes oh, me really excited too. Good. I mean, not to say I wasn't excited before. <laughs> obviously. Um, awesome. Awesome. So where are you? Where are you located? I'm located in Kamloops, British Columbia. Oh wow! I wish I was there. It must be beautiful and hot. <laughs> <laughs> It's actually raining today, but even with the rain, it's a lovely, lovely day. It's still very warm, so I can't complain at all. Right. Oh, fantastic. All right. So, like we said, like you guys already know, we're here with the legendary Biff Naked. And, of course, we're going to be discussing the 20th anniversary of the final year of the Lilith Fair, a all-women's touring, actually toured across Canada and the United States, a full female bill. It was an incredible, incredible movement for the time. And, of course, Biff got to take part in that last year. But I want to know why exactly it was so important to you. So what were those few years leading up to the Lilith Fair? Because I know that there could be a lot of gatekeepers in the music industry, and even yourself, you started your own music label in order to be able to release your music. That's right. Um, I started my own label because I couldn't find a home. Basically, it was out of necessity. Uh, there was no record company in Canada in 1994 uh, that wanted to carry my album. I was a tattooed girl that was singing songs about sexual assault and girl crushes and uh, being politically aware. And I just I couldn't find a home. So we were kind of forced to just make our own way. And we, we made our own record label. And that was fine. And we toured. Uh, quite successfully made a second record called Agnificus and, and, and toured in Europe and, and toured in America and Canada. And it was very difficult to get on the radio anyway, as an indie artist, but certainly um, as a female, and this was kind of, you know, part of the times, I guess. Uh, and this is what was the lament of Sarah McLaughlin and some of her peers uh, that women couldn't be played back-to-back -back on the radio, and, and promoters were reticent to book two women on a, on a bill. Uh, so the, the response to that, uh, kind of born out of frustration, uh, was to create Lilith Fair. And when Sarah curated that tour, um, you know, she picked all the bands, she hand-picked all the artists, and it was very eclectic, and it was really wonderful and welcoming. The audience was, uh, you know, very reflective uh, of what they were going to see. It was a safe space. It was probably one of the first tours where that was a consideration. And uh, it was really groundbreaking. So for me to be involved in the tour in 1999 was, uh, was a real dream come true. Okay. So even at the beginning of your career, you found that people weren't necessarily 
ready for someone that was willing to speak their mind. They were looking for somebody that was going to fit within a specific bubble. Oh, definitely. I think that's very true. Oh, wow. So being able to step onto something like Lilith Fair, where it not only celebrated someone like Sarah McLaughlin, but also someone like yourself who comes from the punk scene and people like Queen Latifah and even like up-and-coming musicians who had yet to make their name, such as Nelly Furtado and Tegan and Sarah. Right, yeah, that is amazing. And they're, you know, they're huge artists and, uh, and you know, really important artists in our day and in our time, not just as Canadians, of course, but uh, globally. And I think that they do a lot, um, a lot to the music industry in general, uh, creating a diverse and uh, really cool, uh, I guess, landscape, artist landscape. Okay. So I know that you started to pursue music as a way to escape from girl gangs and bullies and that sort of scene. So once you get into the music scene and you start to encounter a different style of, let's say, bullying, a word I used earlier is gatekeeping. How frustrating was that for you? Well, well, you know, for me, I was just, honestly, I always approached it from a place of gratitude. I knew I was lucky at all uh, to be on any bills, on any tour. Uh, So if I could get a a spin on a radio station, I always felt really, just really grateful for it. I don't know. I think it might have been different for pop artists uh, who uh, really relied on radio play. Uh, But for me, every spin was you know, was a gift. Okay, so radio wasn't necessarily something that you were relying on at first, but once it came into the picture, it really started to help out. Oh, absolutely. You know, anything that any band or artist can do uh, to gain exposure and momentum like radio or television, um, I mean, there's nothing like it as far as promotion. Um, So obviously, you know, being on MTV in the United States, particularly uh, and uh, in Europe was uh, really integral in in making that momentum happen. Okay. So with the getting music on the radio and also being able to get on something like Lilith Fair, that album that was released in that time period, Ibificus, actually ended up going platinum. So how much did the Lilith Fair and that experience assist with you going forward? Well, I think it was great. I mean, you know, the summer that I did Lilith Fair, uh, I was on about 10 of the Lilith Fair shows, or, or eight of them, and that was in between touring with the cult oh, wow. uh, that I was already on tour with. Uh, we were doing shows with Kid Rock, and we were on tour with Fuel, with Days of the New, and we were coming back from Europe. So it was definitely <laughs> it was definitely a busy, a busy time frame, and, and to be able to do those uh, Lilith Fair shows in between was uh, just incredible uh, because it was a totally different energy. You know, it was like going from the sweaty, sweaty men rock tours to uh, this wonderful, welcoming, inclusive, soft, feminine environment. So it was just, uh, just incredible. Oh, I can definitely see how after years of being in that same ideal to step into such an open environment where nobody's really competing with each other and like I said earlier there's lots of different genres and everyone's appreciative of that fact so just the different energy 
involved it at all. It must have been a really special time. Oh, absolutely. It was like uh, it was like a dream come true, like I said. It was a gift every day. Okay, so going forward from that, did was that groundbreaking movement of trying to show that women could play back-to-back and could be played on the radio consecutively, after that, did that open up more opportunities for you to be able to do so? Uh, probably. Uh, I'm sure it did for a lot of the other Lilith Fair artists. Um, for us, again, we were going back and forth between uh, these huge tours that we were on, and we were also doing the Warp Tour the same year, so everything was a blur. I mean, it was just amazing, such an incredible time, and mm. we were going into writing the next record, which was Purge. Yeah, and Purge, another one of your big-selling albums, went gold, has probably one of your most recognizable singles on it, I Love Yourself Today, a very powerful album. So how much did Purge mean to you coming off of Ibificus? Oh, Purge was an incredible experience. I was working in America with Atlantic Records at the time. And uh, because we always licensed uh, to these companies to be able to have our own uh, creative control, was really uh, something that empowered me as an artist for sure and as a songwriter. You know, we could tackle topics that uh, perhaps the the labels um, wouldn't uh, have allowed if I was just, I guess, uh, a direct artist on those labels. So being able to have that creative control uh, and the control of copyright was just nothing, nothing... uh, there's nothing like it, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And I don't know any different because I've always done it that way. Mm-hmm. Which I'm sure you have learned to appreciate over the vast career that you have had because not everybody has those opportunities. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, I mean, to be, you know, to kind of be able to, to put songs on that particular album like Tango Shoes or uh, even Leader, um, or You're the Master, which is a song about my dogs. I mean, it was just uh, to have that creative control and to have that kind of carte blanche as an artist was, uh, was really incredible. Well, and I feel that it's another reason why some of your fans connect to you so much because everything is coming directly and straight from your heart. There's, You can almost feel that there's like almost no true filters besides the biff oh cool well that's good (laughs) (laughs) so at that point you had already had some radio but i feel that that was probably the point where things really started to explode for you so how was that a change like Show-wise, were you finding that you were headlining more? Did you find that you were, like, what was the change in experience? Um, Everything was, uh, you know, a a movement, a trajectory that was an upward trajectory. Um, With with Purge and doing that Purge tours, uh, we tended to tour for about four years almost on a record to cover all of the territories. Uh, that requested us to tour there. And by the time we were making Super Beautiful Monster, I mean, yeah, we were definitely doing bigger shows, stadium shows in Europe. And uh, with uh, uh, by the time we uh, put out the Metallica cover, 
which was Nothing Else Matters, which was Super Beautiful Monster, we were able to make a tour video, which was us on on a bus, on a tour bus, and then include all of the big stages and the big shows uh, for that video footage, and that was uh, really incredible. Mm -hmm. And that cover was something that also got a huge amount of airplay, obviously, Metallica being an incredible band, and your cover of the song definitely gave it a different feel. You made it your own. Oh, good. (laughs) Good. (laughs) So, super beautiful monster. Going into that album, you had been on the road for a long time, and you had a like hundreds of songs going into this album. So you were a musical machine going into this one. Creativity, just powerhouse of a vocal, like vocalist and just going strong. So what does Super Beautiful Monster mean to you? Oh, everything. I mean, it was, uh, you know, it was a really uh, incredible time in my life. I had, uh, uh, worked with uh, Kevin Kadish on that record. Uh, and so Kevin, uh, I mean, he's really known now too for, for co-writing with Megan Trainer. But for me, we did uh, a couple songs. One was Funeral of a Good Girl. Of course, Let Down with Kevin Kadish was uh, incredible. And to go and record that in New York City, uh, I think one of the last weeks at the Hit Factory Studios was open. And uh, the vocal booth that we used for the recording of that song was exactly the same vocal booth that Whitney Houston uh, would sing in. So for me, it just felt magical. And definitely that record will always have a a particularly special place in my heart just because of that uh, energy I felt when into working with Kevin. Oh, that's fantastic. I like how... I like how each album is a time capsule, you know, of just who you were at that time point. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I I think that, uh, yeah, it's like almost like diaries. Definitely like entries into a diary for sure. And I want to get into one of the most powerful entries into that diary of yours. The Promised, the 2009 album you released while you were going through your experiences with cancer. There's so much to dive into there, and of course, there's so much more after that to dive into. Like your time as an author, the book you wrote, of course, also named Ibificus. And I also want to get more into Snake in the Chain, which of course, we're also going to be playing some more music for you today from our guest, Biff Naked. But of course, before all of that, we are going to take a small break here. Of course, we're going to talk to the listeners of the DTP. That's right, that's you. We're going to talk to you guys all about ILoveDTP.com. Why is that? Well, that's because ILoveDTP.com is the place where you are going to go ahead and get yourself decked out, swagged up, geared up, however you want to call it. It's how you're going to represent the Desert Tiger podcast every single place that you go in front of your friends in front of your family and heck even in front of your enemies because they can't stop you from chasing your dreams baby that's right they just a bunch of haters and they can't stop you from running around representing and showing your love for the desert tiger podcast and the best thing of all is when you go ahead and grab yourself something off i love dtp It directly supports the Desert Tiger podcast. It goes into upgrading equipment, 
helping me get to different music conferences and other things so that we can continue to expand and grow this show and find bigger and better guests. And it also allows us to get bigger and better merch, invest into other ways that you can represent the show every single place that you go. That is right. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to ilovedtp.com right now. Cop yourself something, support the show, help us grow, and it is a beautiful, beautiful system, and that's how you're going to help Tiger. The other thing I want to go ahead and talk about is XYZ. Do you like the benefits of X, but wish that it tasted like Y? But what if it also had the easy going down texture of Z? Well, let me tell you about XYZ. And if you haven't figured it out yet, XYZ is a clever way of me saying that your ad could go here. That's right, your ad, your business could be getting hyped up by me personally, Colton G, in this time slot. How do you get that done, though? You message me over at desert.tiger.podcast at gmail.com, and we'll discuss things a little bit further. And we'll make some beautiful things happen. Some beautiful things happen, just like the music that Biff Naked is making with her husband over in their group, Snake in the Chain. Of course, we're going to be finding out, do they have more music coming out from Snake in the Chain? Does Biff Naked plan on touring anytime in the future? There's so much more to go on, so much more to find out, and we're going to be diving into all of that very soon after I play you another track from the legendary Biff Naked. Maybe when you're listening to your music, maybe you're somebody who likes to indulge a little bit. Maybe you like to indulge in a little bit of smoke, shall we say. Maybe when you indulge in that smoke, maybe you like to indulge in that smoke in a nice, enclosed environment. Maybe you're one of those rampant, legendary, hot boss girls.
together for our favorite girl, Ginger. Desert Tiger Podcast. Mm-hmm, definitely. So then we get into The Promise, which is a very deep diary, let's say, because during the recording of this album, you were going through some very heavy things. Uh, well, I was diagnosed with breast cancer in, uh, uh, when I was 36, and um, we started making The Promise, I would say, probably six months into my cancer treatment. We started writing and recording that record. It was the first time I had been in a way stuck at home and off the road. Uh, so I didn't really know what else to do except make a record. And uh, working with Jason Dar from Neurophonic uh, definitely gave it more of an industrial sound, which I really liked. And uh, it allowed me to kind of explore different um, vocal styles. Uh, at the time, it was very important to me. So uh, yeah, that song is definitely a, a delicate piece of my history. Mm-hmm. And I can definitely see how having that change of pace would give you creative fuel for the fire. Oh, most definitely, you know, and uh, uh, it got my mind off of uh, trying to survive cancer and got my mind onto writing. That's probably for the best and probably helped with things because it made you think about probably being able to continue on with the career and everything else. Absolutely, it did. Okay, so I have to ask, are you good with everything these days? You mean am I cancer-free? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I, I, 100%. I wasn't sure. It's exciting. Well, you know, it's exciting to be in, uh, to still be in remission uh, 10 years later. And, uh, and to be able to, you know, kind of still share my experience with the world and hopefully, um, you know, create awareness and educate other women on self-exams and, and keeping themselves healthy. Well, definitely, because I know that sometimes these things come back. So to know that you're still in remission 10 years later, congratulations. And the fact that you're still Thank able you. to be that shining light. Oh, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I know so. <laughs> oh, I have, I have a, a friend who is a huge fan of yours, who I know is, you have, ins- through her, that I know you have inspired many with your personal battles and your struggles and how you have handled them. Oh, very cool. Okay, so moving on from then, you ended up doing an acoustic album, but otherwise a little bit of a break from the music world from releasing full-length albums. Um, yeah, you know, we did. We did an acoustic record that came out in 2012. We made a dance record uh, in 2010 and decided not never to release it. It's just something we enjoyed doing, but uh, <laughs> in a side project that we did called Snake in the Chain, uh, where we did a national tour of uh, 
Canada in 2017, um, we did play a lot of the, those songs from that album that we made, our Secret Dance album. I, I suspect that we'll throw it up on the streaming services probably before the end of the year. We have a new record coming out, and uh, we're going to be dropping a new single probably within the next four weeks. Oh, wow. So you actually started working on Snake in the Chain back in 2010. Uh, Snake in the Chain actually kind of developed um, after the acoustic record, so that was 2012. And yeah, the, the the project that we did, which was a dance project, was called Jakarta. Oh, wow. So that ended up evolving somewhat into Snake in the Chain. Yeah, we just kind of used some of the songs. It was it was a lot of fun. We couldn't, uh, we couldn't resist. Okay, cool. So that's sort of how it ended up coming about. What inspired the name of Snake in the Chain? Because that's a very like particular one that that strikes me. I want to know. Uh, Snake is the name of my husband. Oh. And he's also my guitar player, and so and I'm the ball and chain. So he always referred to me as the chain to all his friends. Okay. <laughs> so it's basically the two of us. So a little tongue-in-cheek. Yes, definitely. I like that. I like that very much. So you got you just mentioned that you guys are actually working on releasing a full album soon. Well, you know, in this day and age, the way people consume music now is so different. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of artists that are no longer motivated to put out an entire record at once. Uh, and what seems to be very popular is to release it track by track and until the record is, you know, formed basically out of 10 or 11 or 14 or however many songs. And I think that's probably uh, what we might do. I'm not sure yet. But uh, we're definitely going to we're going to throw out the first single probably in September. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about that single or is that a little under wraps right now? Well, you know, it's uh it, it's going to it's going to be pretty self-revealing, I think, because uh uh the the it's a love song like all of my songs ultimately are whether or not they're wrapped in a metaphor and it's basically about me breaking into uh my lover's car to leave a piece of myself behind. But you know, car rhymes with heart. So ultimately, it's uh, it's like breaking into somebody's heart. <laughs> that's that's fair. Uh, I'm very excited to actually hear what you have coming up. So it's, it's taking that electronic side of Snake in the Chain, then. Uh, yeah, kind of. I mean, you know, I've been really lucky uh, to always have eclectic records when I release records. There's always a dance song on them anyway. Yeah. A metal song, a punk song. So it's just an extension of what I've always done. Oh, like you said earlier, Tango Shoes, definitely one of those songs for sure as well. Exactly. And the dance remix of Space Man and Lucky. So... You know, hopefully it won't be that too hard for the fans to to enjoy. So during this time period in between that so that acoustic album and getting ready to release this next Snake in the Chain, you actually wrote a best-selling memoir novel. So tell me a little bit about Iificus. 
So I Bificus was the name of, obviously it was the name of my second record, but and the name kind of stuck. It was kind of catchy, and so we decided to call the memoir um, I Bificus as well. And it just chronicled uh, some of my stories from my life that uh, that people had requested. And uh, working with Harper Collins was uh, really awesome. I mean, it was just so interesting. I had never put a book out before or worked with a publisher or an editor. So to have somebody kind of, um, I guess, you know, be an adult regarding my writing was really helpful for me as a writer. And it definitely put me on a, a higher level than I would have been able to do on my own. Interesting. So what was the feedback like for that? And I know that you also toured to do the album, going to different bookstores, doing signings and questionings for that as well, which is much different than the touring you had done before. So what was that change of pace like? Well, it was like the acoustic tour. So when we put out the acoustic record, we started doing acoustic shows uh, to support that album. And then when we put the memoir out, uh, it seemed kind of boring, to be honest, to just do a book reading. Uh, so we created a show surrounding book reading, which was uh, to read a story and then play the acoustic song uh, that went along with the story, because most of my songs were always autobiographical anyway. And, and it created a, a very uh, kind of linear thread that, that wove through the show, and we, we created a three-hour show uh, that we toured nationally two uh, times in Canada. So it was uh, it was a huge success. I loved it, and I of course love playing with uh, with Snake. So it was uh, always always fun. Okay. Um, do you have any tours in the future possibly coming up with Snake in the Chain or otherwise? Biff uh, Naked, definitely the Biff Naked uh, will tour on the new record Ooh. when it comes out and. And, uh, yeah, I think that uh, Snake in the Chain was just one <laughs> one tour. Uh, but definitely um, I'll be doing my solo uh, record and, and doing some more touring to support it. I can't wait. Okay, fantastic. So with all that you have been through with your cancer battle and, like, the kidney failure and everything otherwise... Has there been a song throughout your career that maybe has meant more to you now that like you can reflect on it and like it represents something more now? Like your representation has changed or your idea of that song has changed after everything that you've been through. Well, I think for sure Lucky is always a powerful song. Uh, to perform, um, and it, it, it's a very old song for me, but there was a song that I uh, had written on Super Beautiful Monster called Every Day, and the lyric of that song is, every day live it like it's your last one, and that still has the, the same meaning to me as when we wrote it, and it's something that I still live by. Oh, wow, so that was something that was written before everything happened and just ended up meaning so much more. Oh, definitely. And I think everybody's life story has uh, a lot of tragedy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, breast cancer was not the worst thing that happened to me in my life. And it certainly wasn't the first thing uh, that that went amiss 
you know, but I think that's probably true for all all stories of everybody's lives. I mean, we go through so many things in childhood and adolescence and uh, going through our adult lives. Definitely, we, we experience so many different victories and uh, traumas uh, that they, they tend to weave themselves into our art. Oh, fantastic. That's a great answer. And it's actually a question that my friend gave to me because I actually asked her if she had any questions for me because she went to the uh, book tour and wanted to get a picture with you. But she actually shied up before she had the opportunity to meet you because you mean so much to her. So I know that she's really going to enjoy that. Oh, wow. Cool. Mm -hmm. That's very sweet. So I actually have a few other questions that I've taken from her that I'm going to ask you. I've never actually done that before. So the next two questions, the last two questions will also come from her. So is someone who has done so many different things, is a musician, as an author, is somebody who has been an activist in so many different things, what is your biggest passion outside of music? Uh, I would say probably writing. I just finished writing a book of poetry, and uh, I'm looking forward to publishing that in the next uh, six months, I hope. And and I love writing. I mean, it's something that I can do no matter how I'm feeling, no matter where I am, and uh, something I've always kind of done as a lyricist, but certainly, uh, you know, short stories and essays is... uh, definitely where we all found our voices long before the internet mm-hmm. do you plan on this is actually a question for myself based off that one so do you plan on releasing a spoken word album like you did with Oaken Spate Ordway with this upcoming poetry oh uh, well I hope so you know audiobooks are now popular so I think that uh, that's definitely a really good possibility cool So this is going to be another question from my friend Danette Williams, but this is also going to tie into the importance of what was the Lilith Fair, something that we started this interview on. Cool. Which female artists do you see in the world right now, and do you feel exemplify the future of music? Oh, wow. That is like such a huge question. I would have to say, oh, there's so many artists. I don't even know where to start. I'm just going to have to throw it out there and say Grimes. Uh, Because as an artist, I think that Claire, um, you know, she's a girl from Squamish, British Columbia, and uh, started making music all by herself, um, utilizing her own taste and ideas. And uh, she has become a global phenomenon and is an incredible artist with so much authenticity and integrity. Uh, I think that we're still going to see amazing things from her. Fantastic. I think we're going to see incredible things from her as well, and I think we're going to continue to see incredible things from Biff Naked in the future too. Oh, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me today, Biff. Oh, I appreciate it. I appreciate it so much. And, uh, yeah, when the new single comes out or or the poetry book, uh, we'd love to talk to you again. All right. Fantastic. Sounds great to me. Cool. Awesome. Once again, thank you so much and have yourself a fantastic day. Okay. You too. Have a great weekend. Will do. Thank you. 
Okay. Bye. Bye. And with that, we are coming near the end of another exciting, intriguing, amazing episode of the Desert Tiger Podcast. But before we do that, I want to go ahead and give a one last big old DTP thank you to Biff Naked for joining me here on the Desert Tiger Podcast to discuss the 20th anniversary of the Lilith Fair, her music career, her time as an author, her upcoming music with Snake in the Chain, her upcoming novel of poetry. There's so much to talk about. And of course, you know, we're going to try and get Biff back on the show in the future to talk a little bit more about that book of poetry and so much, so much more. But of course, until then, I'm just going to keep riding the high knowing that a Canadian music legend such as Biff Naked enjoyed her time on the Desert Tiger podcast as much as she did. I also want to go ahead and thank Eric Alper for setting this up. You guys have heard me thank him before. Eric Alper does huge work for Desert Tiger behind the scenes, and once again, he has pulled through strong with this one. Thank you so freaking much, Eric, for believing in this little, little show that has just grown so much since you began helping us. I want to thank my good friend Danette Williams for sending me an extensive list of questions. This is the first time I've ever asked a friend or a listener for questions for one of my guests, and Danette majorly pulled through, and I wish I could have asked more of your questions, Danette. I also want to take this moment to thank you, the listeners of the Desert Tiger Podcast, for tuning in to today's episode of the show. If you have yet to subscribe or follow the podcast, what are you waiting for? Go ahead and hit that button on whatever service you happen to be listening on. I assure you, you won't regret it. Maybe you're going to even want to go in and check out the archives of the show as well. We have over 80 amazing interviews with incredibly driven, talented individuals for you to go ahead and check out right now. Maybe you want to go ahead and rate or review the show on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher Radio. Rating and reviewing the show helps the show chart, which gets us in front of a lot of new eyes, which in turn helps us get some amazing new guests and helps us continue to grow. So wouldn't you please consider heading on over to Apple Podcasts or iTunes and leaving a big old five-star rating for the show? I would appreciate that so much more. And of course, if you enjoyed what you heard today, maybe you want to go ahead and share the episode on your social media, your Twitter, your Facebook, maybe your Instagram stories, or maybe you want to tell somebody about it in person if you're one of the people that still does that sort of thing. I would appreciate it so very much. And of course, maybe while you're telling that person about it in person, maybe you want to do so well representing the podcast by wearing a solid Desert Tiger Podcast t-shirt, which you can get over at I Love DTP. Com. You've already heard me say it. You already know how it goes. It's where you're going to rep the show everywhere you go in front of your friends, in front of your family, and even your enemies. Hell, why not? Tell your enemies about the podcast. Maybe they'll enjoy it too. Who really knows? All I know is I am so thankful that you decided to tune in to today's episode. So thank you. Pat yourself on the back. Do a little happy dance. You deserve it. Yeah! Next week on the podcast, I actually have no idea what episode I want to put on. 
I've got a couple things waiting in the backlog, but I also got a couple of really, really intriguing emails this morning, and I might decide to maybe bump one of those ahead. All you need to know is it's going to be another amazing episode of the podcast, and I can't wait to see you next Thursday. Until then, stay beautiful.